right here, John chapter 10. Many of you know this chapter as what we refer to as the passage of Scripture concerning the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Jesus Christ is going to use an illustration from everyday life, and through that illustration, He is going to teach some very important spiritual truths to the Jewish people, His people, the nation of Israel. You know, in my times of studying God's Word, I have come to realize a very important truth. This is what I've come to realize. I have come to understand that Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher to ever live. There is no doubt. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew records these words about Jesus Christ. It said, The crowd heard the sayings of Jesus Christ and were astonished because He taught as one who had authority. Jesus Christ was so unlike the religious teachers of His day and time. As we've been walking through the Gospel of John, line by line and verse by verse, I have been reminded of this truth over and over again as I've heard the words of Jesus Christ. It's just been confirmed in my heart that Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher who ever lived. Now, as we approach this text today, it is so very important that we understand the context in which Jesus Christ is going to speak these words to this group of Jewish people who are listening to this teaching. Jesus Christ is going to teach them something very important in life. You know, when I was in seminary, every young minister was required to take a class that was called Principles of Biblical Interpretation. In that class, our professor told us that we should never, ever forget the role that context plays in interpreting God's Word. And then he added this statement to the end. It is something that I've remembered throughout my time in ministry. He said, if you start in the wrong place, it's more than likely you will end up in the wrong place. And you know what? That is so very true. What is the context of this passage of Scripture? Well, John reveals to us the context of this passage of Scripture. Listen to what he says here in verse 21. Chapter 10, verse 21. Others said, These are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind. You know, we stand at an advantage in the sense that we have chapters, we have divisions, we have verses that guide us in finding our place in the Word of God. For many of the early century readers of God's Word, 
they did not have those advantages. At the same time, I would tell you also, there are times that chapters and verses put us at a disadvantage. Most likely in the early church when they had received this gospel, they would have sat down, they would have read the entirety of this gospel at one setting. They would have heard all of the words of Jesus Christ within their context in which they are being read. The context of this passage of Scripture flows out of chapter 9. If you remember in chapter 9, Jesus Christ had healed the man who was blind from birth. But more important than that miracle in that man's life, there is a second miracle that takes place in his life. And that miracle takes place at the end of the story where Jesus Christ finds the man and he looks at the man and he says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man replied to Jesus Christ, I believe. And at that moment in time, he received spiritual sight. He moved from spiritual blindness into spiritual life. Jesus Christ, based upon his profession of faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, that man became a follower of Jesus Christ at that point. Everything that Jesus Christ is going to say in chapter 10 flows out of that context. In this story that we're going to look at in just a few moments, Jesus Christ is wanting to make a very important point to his listeners. This is what Jesus Christ is saying to them. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of Israel, should have been faithful shepherds over God's flock, the nation of Israel. But they had failed. Let me say it one more time and just listen to it carefully. This is the point that Jesus is making. The Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of Israel, should have been faithful shepherds over God's flock, the nation of Israel. But they had failed. That was clearly illustrated in the story of the blind man who had received his sight. Think about it for a moment. Rather than the religious leaders rejoicing with this man over the miracle that has taken place in his life and acknowledging that Jesus Christ was truly the Son of God, they kick him out of the synagogue for his association with Jesus Christ. So, in these opening verses of chapter 10, Jesus Christ is going to draw a sharp contrast between the false shepherds of Israel, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and himself, the good shepherd. Now, I want you to hear the words of Jesus Christ in their context. The context that I have just shared with you. So listen carefully to this passage of Scripture. We're going to begin reading in verse or chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus Christ said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd 
of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to him. Now, I will confess to you this morning, I'm not real knowledgeable when it comes to sheep tending. I've never taken care of any sheep in my life. However, in my time that I've lived overseas internationally with my family, on more than one occasion, I've had the opportunity to see a shepherd interact with his sheep. I have watched them closely as the shepherd has provided for all of their needs. You ever notice that sheep are not the smartest animal that ever lived? Have you ever noticed that? That's the reason why you don't see any circus acts that were with sheep. You just don't see that because they're not very intelligent animals. They can't take care of themselves. They can't find food for themselves. They can't find water for themselves. They can't find shelter for themselves. They must always have someone to lead them wherever it is that they are going. Jesus Christ uses that illustration to teach us something very important. Now listen to me carefully. Generally speaking, what I have noticed about shepherds and their sheep is this. Shepherds have a great love for their sheep. You have to. If you don't love the sheep that you are leading as a shepherd, they won't be there tomorrow. They don't have the ability to take care of themselves. But I would tell you this morning, as much as the human shepherd loves his sheep, it is nothing compared to how much the good shepherd loves his people. When you read this story, it is so easy to see how much the good shepherd loves his people. It is out of that love that Jesus Christ points out several things the good shepherd does for his sheep. Let me share those things with you this morning. If you are taking notes this morning, this is what you're going to want to write. The first thing that Jesus says the good shepherd does for his people is this. He says that He warns them. That's Jesus' desire. Because Jesus Christ loves us, Jesus Christ wants to protect us. Did you hear that in the opening words of Jesus Christ's statement? Jesus Christ starts chapter 10 with these words. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now what does Jesus Christ mean when He uses those two words, truly, truly? 
We've talked about this a number of different times as we've been walking through the Gospel of John. We've seen Jesus Christ use those two words a number of different times. And what Jesus Christ is saying more than anything else is this. Hey, listen up. I got your attention, didn't I? Yeah, you see? That's what Jesus Christ is saying. He's saying, hey, you need to pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. Truly, truly, Jesus Christ is saying, I'm warning you. Listen to what I'm saying. Do you see that in this text? I have to be careful when I do that in the pulpit because my son sees that. And he is a young man who loves to put extra emphasis on the Word of God when we read it together. So I can imagine sometime we're sitting together as a family and he's going to think we're not paying attention. So he's going to clap his hands together. He's going to say, hey, pay attention to me. I'm reading. You, you see what I'm saying? Well, that's exactly what Jesus Christ is doing in this passage of Scripture. What he's getting ready to say to this group of Jewish people is, hey, it's important for you. You need to listen up. Can I say to you this morning, the words that Jesus Christ is fixing to speak in this passage of Scripture is of great importance to you and I. And what He wants us to do more than anything else is this. Listen. Pay close attention is what Jesus Christ is saying. Jesus Christ said in this passage of Scripture, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now when I hear those words, the first question that comes to my mind is this, who exactly is Jesus Christ referring to as a thief and a robber? When Jesus Christ says, hey, you need to pay attention. I'm warning you. I want to protect you. He says, you need to understand that the thief and the robber never enters in through the gate of the sheep pen. He always seeks to climb over the fence. And when he seeks to climb over the fence, he seeks to mislead the sheep, to guide them away, to place them in danger is what Jesus Christ is saying here in this passage of Scripture. It is quite obvious that Jesus Christ is referring to the religious leaders of Israel. It was the scribes and the Pharisees who had led the children of Israel astray. The very ones who had been tasked with the spiritual responsible well-being of a nation are the very ones who had led them away from God. Rather than protecting the people, they were misleading God's people. Does that sound familiar to you today? It should. As I speak this morning... It is happening at this very moment in America. The very ones who have been tasked with the responsibility, who have been entrusted with the care of God's people in the American church are the ones leading them astray. Do you realize we live in a time that most mainline Protestant denomination churches no longer believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that Jesus Christ is the only way. We live in that time, and what Jesus Christ is saying to you and I is this. You need to pay attention. You need to listen up. I'm wanting to warn you. You need to hear what it is that 
I am saying is what Jesus Christ is saying in this passage of Scripture. You see, as we read this story that Jesus Christ used, taking an example from everyday life, something that was very familiar, think about it for a moment. What was the role of the shepherd? The role of the shepherd was to do what? To protect the people or to protect the flock that he was leading. Jesus Christ comes here in this passage of Scripture and he says, truly, truly, open your eyes, wake up. He is warning you. Not to, be, not to be led astray by those who would desire to lead you outside the Word of God. Now before we move on this morning, let me draw one lesson from this and make application from our life from this opening verse. This is what I would say. Being rooted and grounded in sound doctrine is essential for every believer in God's church. Not optional. Let me say it again. Being rooted and grounded in sound doctrine is essential for every believer. Not optional. Every believer who is a follower of Jesus Christ needs to know and be able to defend the core doctrines of the faith. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. He writes to that group or at church there at Ephesus, and he challenges them to grow up in Christ. Why? So that they will not be led astray by every false wind of teaching that comes along. Paul was warning them just as Jesus Christ warns us in this passage of Scripture. You know, since I have returned to America, I realize there is a great deficit in Christianity. This is what I have noticed. Christianity is three miles wide and about a quarter inch deep. Most people cannot clearly show you in Scripture why they believe what they believe. Now, don't misunderstand me. They may be able to say it because they've grown up in church. They may be able to articulate something that mom and dad has passed along to them. They may be, say, I believe in the eternal security of the believer, or I believe once saved, always saved, ever how you want to believe it. I believe that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, but they can never take you to God's Word and show you where that is. Do you see the danger in that? As we move further and further away from being a nation that is founded upon biblical principles, I I hope you realize we're not that nation anymore, right? We're not that nation. As we move further and further away from that, people, even believers, are becoming more and more biblically illiterate. Every believer should be able to go to God's Word and share why they believe what they believe. The Good Shepherd came here, and out of His love, He warns them. He desires to protect Him, and I would say the same is true in our life today. Number two, 
Jesus says, the good shepherd cares for them. Go back with me and look at what Jesus Christ says here in verses 2 and 3 and 4. He says, but he who enters the door, I'm sorry, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hears his voice and calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and as the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. You know, Jesus Christ, or I'm sorry, uh, I read a story one time about a man who observed a group of shepherds outside the city of Jerusalem. Early in the morning, he was out walking, and as he noticed up in the hills, he saw a group of shepherds getting up from their night of sleep. They were rolling up their bedrolls, and they were preparing for the day. After having a meal, breakfast at the fire, one of the shepherds went off a distance from the pen that the sheep were kept in. And the observer said that he could hear the shepherd calling out each one of his sheep by name. First one came, then two or three came after that, and then four or five joined him until eventually the master was surrounded by his entire flock. They recognized the master's voice, they recognized their name, and they came to the Master. Can I tell you this morning, that is a beautiful picture of who the Good Shepherd's relationship is with us. In this text, Jesus Christ says that He knows each one of us by name. You know, there's something about hearing your name called, isn't it? Isn't that true? Think about it for a moment. We've all played sports before. You remember when you were a kid growing up? I remember when I was a kid growing up. Man, I used to long to hear my name called. Generally speaking, most of the time it was called at the very end, but I always wanted to hear it called up front. I wanted to be the very first one chosen. I was always the smallest, and they would say, oh, well, you know, somebody's got to take Jeff. Won't you come over here and join me on our team? You can be with us. But isn't there just something, isn't it, isn't it exciting when you hear your name called? You know, when, since I've been in the ministry, I've come to realize the importance of learning people's names. When we call someone by name, what we are saying to them, we're saying to them, you are important. I value who you are when we call someone by name. You know, as your pastor, I, my desire would always be to get every one of your names perfect. But I realize, most likely... That is not going to happen. At some point in time, I will fail every one of you. Listen, if I call my children by their sibling's name, do you think I can get all of your names right all of the time? You see what I'm saying? But can I say this to you this morning? There is one who always gets your name right. He never ever misses it. 
Jesus Christ said in this passage of Scripture, the good shepherd knows your name. Now listen to me. Do you want to know why he knows your name? Hear me carefully this morning. He knows your name because he cares about you. He loves you. That's why. This was so unlike the religious leaders of Israel. They unjustly burdened the people of Israel with religious rules that was beyond anyone's ability to keep. That is the reason why Jesus Christ says, My yoke is not burdensome. I want you to know something this morning. The good shepherd cares for you. I don't know all that's going on in each one of your lives, but I will tell you there is a God who does, and he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, he loves you and he cares for you. He loves and cares for you so very much, he knows your name. He knows your first name, he knows your second name, and he knows your last name. There is nothing that ever goes unnoticed by Jesus Christ. He cares for you. The third thing that Jesus Christ is going to say about the good shepherd in this passage of Scripture is this. He's going to say, the good shepherd leads his sheep. He leads his sheep. Go back to this text and listen to what it says. Begin reading with me in verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before, him, before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You know, in this passage of Scripture, there's some debate about exactly what the pen, the sheep pen, refers to. Some scholars believe that it refers to the world, and it was a symbol of that. Other scholars say, no, it doesn't refer to the world, it refers to Judaism. I believe that actually what the sheep pen refers to here is Judaism, in the context in which the words are being spoken. I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus Christ came to the nation of Israel. He didn't come to do away with the law, but to bring fulfillment to the law. The law finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ, and Judaism finds its fulfillment in Christianity. Judaism always pointed to the promised Messiah who would come and save His people. Jesus Christ was born of a Jew and followed the law. Jesus could easily enter through the gate. But what I want you to notice about this text is this. Three simple words. It says this, and He leads them out. Jesus Christ is not happy to leave us in the sheep pen. He leads us out. To where does He lead us? Well, obviously, when we read this passage of Scripture, this is where He leads us. He leads us to abundant life. That's what He says. 
Listen to what he says here in verse 10 of this passage of Scripture. The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is the point that Jesus Christ is making. He leads his sheep to salvation. That's what he's saying. He's not happy just to leave them where they are. Jesus Christ said in this passage of Scripture that He willingly lays down His life for His sheep. The clear teaching is it is the Good Shepherd who leads His people to salvation. As I conclude this morning, I would say this, the bottom line is this, it's not really how much you know, but it's really who you know. The Pharisees knew a whole lot about Judaism, but I would tell you this, they didn't know who Jesus Christ was. The blind man in the story of chapter 9, he didn't know a whole lot about Judaism, did he? No. He was never going to win any argument with the scribes and the Pharisees. But I would tell you this, he didn't know a lot about Judaism, but he did know Jesus Christ. And the question I think that we must ask ourselves this morning is this. Do I know Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word know there is such a unique word in the Greek language. It speaks of intimacy. The intimacy that is shared between a husband and a wife. To speak about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know him. Father God, we thank you for your love and the truth of your word this morning. We thank you for how it speaks into our hearts and our lives. Father, what an awesome passage of scripture as we think in terms of the good shepherd. Jesus taking just an illustration from everyday life and teaching us some important spiritual truths. Father, as we come to this time of invitation, my prayer is is that you would work in the hearts and the lives of each one of us. Father, if there's someone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day they enter into a relationship with Him. Father, I pray each one of us would just take the opportunity to look into our hearts and our lives to see where we're at. We give you this time and pray that you would be honored and glorified through it. 
In Jesus' name, amen.